Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. I am so excited for this episode. We finally had real football. Week one is behind us. We have some something to talk about now. It's no longer speculation, but I'm sure we're going to speculate just a little bit. We are joined by none other than Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Man, I thought you were excited because we had a you know, special guest that only our patrons could see if they're viewing live. We got the Rock, Rock Johnson on the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. So you're going to have to tune in to actually see it. But not only is the Rock got some Terramana cooking behind me, but yes, week one, our lineups were cooking, man. And, uh, you know, get, Dynasty, I'm, I'm, I'm proud. I'm feeling good. 11 and 5 overall start, guys. You know, so feel good about that. Redraft, not so pretty. A little slow start on redraft, so I'm, I'm worried I'm carrying a little too much dynasty into the redraft. We'll see what week two brings. Um, DFS, thanks to Zay Jones' Monday night overtime thriller, I actually was able to recoup a little bit of the money I lost in week one, but did better than last year. Week one is so tough. It's oh, so unpredictable. And I think we'll get into that tonight probably with all our reactions and you know overreactions. We're definitely going to get into it. And you hit the nail on the head. There's so many things that we go into week one thinking we know. But then these NFL teams, they go, well, eh, not so fast. We have a, another idea here. Unfortunately, we can't get rid of this man. That's Mitch Sorensen at DinoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? That's right. Thinking of not getting rid of anything. So now I know, Dan, you have like a life-size cutout of The Rock and deck i'm wondering who else you're going to be pulling out here soon do we have like a stone cold steve austin just hanging out in the back that needs to come out at some point anything is possible on dynasty theory so let's you just got to stay tuned we got what 16 17 more weeks to go and then the postseason so who knows i'm very excited to see what guest joins us next week so we have a lot we want to get through tonight and the first thing really on the agenda is the San Francisco 49ers. We found out earlier today that Raheem Mostert, because of some knee issues, he is going to miss the remainder of the 2021 season. He made it two plays, two uh, rushing attempts, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then he was out, which probably a little bit earlier than a lot of people expected. But Raheem Mostert always seems to be that guy. We don't want to say somebody's injury prone. But Raheem Mostert, if there was somebody that was a little injury prone, it might be Mr. Mostert. So, Mitch, what are you doing with this backfield? Because Elijah Mitchell, he completely took over in week one. He wowed. He dazzled. Jamichael Hasty, I think he had one carry. How many carries did Trey Sermon have? Well, he wasn't active. And that hurts us. That hurts us. So how are we navigating through the situation for dynasty purposes? For me personally, it's. If I have Mitchell on my team, I'm pretty happy. I don't really want to go out and try to get him at whatever price he is now because I'm scared that people are going to like expect a first. And there's just no possible way I'm willing to give that for a sixth-round draft pick. And so I'm looking at it. We still have Jeff Wilson, who is going to come back at some point this year. And honestly, I can't tell you now if I think it's going to be Mitchell we care about in the fantasy playoffs, if it's Sermon we're going to care about, if it's Wilson we're going to care about. It might be Hasty that we care about at this point with this backfield. It's just how this backfield always goes. And it's, you know, Dan brings up DFS. And DFS, we care about, like, specific running backs in specific weeks. But looking at this in Dynasty, 
I don't, I can't tell you who I want to pick for week five. So I'm definitely not willing to go out and just throw picks for a running back who spiked against the Detroit Lions. Like it's going to happen all season long. You mentioned Jeff Wilson, and I know that's a lot of that's on a lot of people's minds here, right? He he's lurking in the distance. He is going to be coming back, but does he come back as soon as people expect or hope? And does he have that role that's going to be necessary to really take over this backfield? We could just see an absolute cluster. And that's kind of what Mitch you're talking about. And it kind of makes the situation an avoid. Dan, you were really high on Trey Sermon throughout the offseason, and you talked him up so well and so much and so often that I really started to believe in him. And I went out and acquired a few shares. Nothing crazy, nothing uh, you know, completely earth-shattering, but there are a few shares sitting on my roster. What are we doing with Trey Sermon right now after the week one inactive? We are being patient. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be patient, JB. Man, we saw this with Cam Akers last year and, and other rookie running backs throughout time where it, it takes some time. All right? You know, we, 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 all, didn't, we didn't see a rather strange week one inactive from them, though. Yeah, it's, it stings a little bit. You know, it stings a little bit. But, I mean, who is he still competing with here? I think the 49ers backfield situation, I'm treating it a little bit like we kind of do New England historically. I know a lot of people like to kind of stray away from the New England Patriots running backs. But one thing that stood out in the past, I remember Evan Silva once saying, man, New England running backs win championships. And I don't want to forget that the 49ers have that, like, soft as jelly uh, late season, po you know, fantasy football schedule and if i could gather a few of these running backs on my roster and you know hopefully whether it's jeff wilson whether it's trey sermon whether elijah mitchell's for real whoever it may be hopefully one of us and our listeners have that hot hand late in the season but i do believe the cream rises to the top and you know for whatever reason it's not trey sermon's time right now he hasn't overcame uh the other running backs but Again, there's always more that goes on behind those closed doors. So I like Mitch's take, too, on Elijah Mitchell. Like, I'm very happy if I have him on my roster right now. I think he's worthy of a free agent pickup, but I'm not going to overspend because when it does get to those late season weeks at the end of the year, I do believe it's going to be Trace Sermon or Jeff Wilson. Well, I have to believe when you mention a free agent pickup, you're referring to redraft because he's not sitting on the waiver wire or in free agents and not many. And, there, there are some. There, there, there's one or two where I, I have seen them out there. We're in enough leagues. I mean, I, I, I there's one or two. So more uh, often than not, no though. Mitch, what are you making a face about over there? Oh, my computer just went weird. Never can, seen that happen before. Can you hear us? Can you? I can. can. We are good. We're good to go. No way. Yeah, that was odd. All right. So Elijah, Elijah Mitchell. We talk about what he did against Detroit. For me, he's still a 23-year-old rookie running back taken in the sixth round by the 49ers. And it seems like the 49ers are always one of those teams under Mr. Shanahan, like the Seattle Seahawks. They don't really care about draft capital. So if they took Trey Sermon in the third, that's all fine and dandy. But if Elijah Mitchell is their guy, that's going to carry a little bit more weight than maybe a six-round draft pick for a team where draft capital certainly is going to be uh, more on their radar and a priority. But what do you, Mitch, in terms of dynasty, you have Elijah Mitchell on your team. Yep. You're, you're a contender. What are you looking to do with him? I, I've seen a lot of people say, hey, we're, I'm just going to ride him until the wheels fall off. We, we had that in our Discord yesterday. I don't know if I exactly agree with that sentiment, but I want you to share your thoughts first. It depends on the return I could get. So I probably spent 
I only have them a couple leagues. I'm guessing I used a third or a fourth round pick. Let's just say a third just to make it a little bit easier, right? So I used a third round pick on him and I'm and I'm contending now. And so then it turns into, is he going to help me contend more than me being able to trade him? If I could get a first, of course I'm out. I don't think it's realistic, it's but I think that's what people are like having in their heads right now, right? So am I going to move him to a... If someone's trading for him, they're going to want to be a contender as well. So am I then moving him for a late second? So I'm turning like my mid third round pick into a late second round pick next year. I'd probably just rather have Mitchell at that point. So unless I'm helping out my roster at a different spot, I just don't see a huge reason to move him on a contender. Something I've been trying to do is that old package him with a second for a first. As long as I'm not in a situation where I believe I'm going to be that 201, 202, I have a fairly competitive team, then it makes sense. But we're not looking to just give him away. And we've talked about this so many times. While the profile historically isn't one we're seeking, and I know his measurables, you look at the different graphs and all the uh, information available and the advanced metrics, he does pop. But he's still a 23-year-old rookie that, is in a situation where it could be Elijah Mitchell this week, could be Trey Sermon next week, could be, you know, Michael somebody's hasty. hasty, somebody's grandmother. I don't know who it's going to be. on Johnson on the practice squad. Carry on Johnson on the practice squad. Now, wouldn't it just be an absolute kick in the you-know-what if Carry on got elevated before Trey Sermon? At that point, it's like something else is going on because, uh, and I want to transition over to Trey Sermon a little bit more. Trey Sermon, his camp was fine. And I know Elijah Mitchell, he missed a little bit of time with that hip injury. And there were a lot of reports coming out. Well, Elijah Mitchell really outperformed Trey Sermon. And that's fine, you know, when looking at at what they did at camp. But I don't think what Elijah Mitchell did has anything to do with Trey Sermon not being active. I feel like there's something else going on there. Some some, uh, mind game, something going on. Because look, look what happened with Brandon Ayuk. A guy that was an absolute stud last year, Mitch. Well, I was just like you brought it up before in the Discord. The special teams factor could matter. I didn't look in to see how much um, Hasty was playing on special teams, right? It, but Trey it, Sermon isn't going to be playing on special teams. I'm gl- I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things that, you know, mm-hmm. not trying to justify, but maybe some rationale behind it, an explanation. When you go back and look, Elijah Mitchell. I think he played on two person, like one or two special teams plays. Was it at the very beginning of the game? I don't, you know, I don't know. So maybe they're about hasty more than Mitchell, because I could see if you have your running back one in, in most are your running back two in Mitchell, that third running back, I'm assuming, I mean, we could go up and look after the show and I'll correct it on Twitter if I'm wrong, but that third running back, I mean, I see no, uh, Dan shaking his head, that third running back has to play on special teams or has to right. be able to play on special teams. And we we even see that with wide receivers. And we talked about receivers like uh, K- Calvin Harmon, for example. Um, uh, oh, my God. Hakeem Butler. Those are guys that kind of slipped in NFL regard because they weren't going to go in and play special teams. And that's a concern. So I, I do agree with that to an extent. It just it still blows my mind. And I, and I, Mitch, are you looking up the hasty special teams snaps? For some reason, I want to say it wasn't significant. But again, maybe the plan was to use him that way. 
But then the injury to Raheem Mostert early on kind of shifted that. That's right. I think, you know, if Mostert's the clear one going into that game and then, you know, Mostert just didn't do it enough to beat out Hasty. And then is there something else, JB, like you're mentioning? You know, I think like the media throughout these camps, you know, they have, you know, access to certain portions of practice. They don't see everything. They're definitely not in the meetings rooms. These 49ers beat reporters didn't do enough to get us this scoop between, uh, you know, Sermon and Ayuk. Uh, they they left us hanging a little bit, man. They left they left left us here a little high and dry. So there definitely could be something else. And you know, similar in Dallas, Lyle Collins, their their right tackles out. I think- only Dan is going to bring this back to no, the but, Cowboys, but it's a media thing. You know, like I didn't know this guy had any issues. Next thing you find out, he's failed some, uh, you know, the drug policy for the league, right? And and he missed his his tests. So he's like, he's a hot mess. So again, something you have no clue about. And but here in the fancy world, we're impacted by sermon. Mitch, did you find that information? Yeah, Mitchell had two uh, kick coverage, and so did Hasty. They both had two snaps. But again, maybe the plan was a little bit different if Raheem Moster was, you know, healthy throughout the entire game. Now there's a comment in the chat, and I want to preface this with. I don't have any source behind this. It's a comment in the chat from our friend Owen, and he read. Big disclaimer here. Who knows where this came from? So, oh, and if this is wrong, I'm yelling at you, buddy. He read that Brandon and I, you can trace sermon situation might be vaccine related. I, I don't know anything. I have not seen anything about that. I mean, and I also saw that it was curfew related too. I mean, there's rumor about that. So I don't, whatever it is, I honestly think this is not going to be a big deal. Week two, he's going to be active. And we'll see how many carries he gets. That's my honest opinion. I just think this is just something that everyone's grabbing onto because Mostert got injured, and that's how it is. And again, we have to take into consideration the fact the 49ers play the Detroit Lions. And everybody, everybody, Matthew Barry's on fantasy football now saying Raheem Mostert, Raheem must start. He is a top 10 play. So we all like that situation heading into that game. It just went from Mostert to Elijah Mitchell, who surprisingly wasn't involved in the passing game whatsoever. So he had a great game on the ground, but through the air, I don't think he received one target. And I feel, and, I feel bad for Mostert too, guys. Like we're I not know. mentioning no. that. I know we're doing deep analysis here, man, but you talk about a talented dude with a chip on his shoulder who's, who's passionate about the game and just cannot catch a break, man. What, what a blow. All right, so Trey Sermon, I want to get this back in Dynasty because we could talk about all these situations all night, and I'd be okay with that. I, you know, I don't know if you guys would. We know. Yeah, I know, I know. So Trey Sermon, I'm still willing to move any second for him. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I, I think that's is, is yeah. That... I mean, I would move any second. I just don't know if it's going to work. I think the whole Sermon thing is a lot of the there's 11 teams in the league that will say yeah. I'll send a second for him. And the one team with Sermon is like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Now, what about they're a contender? Not that they were counting on Sermon, but hey, somebody that could kind of pitch in throughout the season. Do you think there's a better opportunity to move a win now piece to acquire Sermon? Or do you think in most situations, people are saying, I want to see how this plays out and potentially see the value completely bottom out? The best offer I received for Sermon was from one of our patrons who offered me Melvin Gordon coming off, you know, a big carry, big game, and and I swiftly declined. I respect the offer, but again. I sent the same offer today. It got declined. (laughs) Over two on Melgo. I think uh, this is the perfect opportunity for people to attempt to 
move Melvin Gordon. I, I think the most offers I received so far, and this being recorded on Tuesday, up to this point in the week, included me acquiring Melvin Gordon. That yep. all, all the offers I've been receiving. Sell, so Trey, <laughs> so Trey Sermon. I mean, Mitch, are you are? You, I I know we just said a second, probably not going to get it done, but you're okay paying that price. Would you go at like two seconds? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to do it. I wouldn't be willing to give like the 109 or 110 is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be, but I wouldn't be willing to do that a week ago either. So this news didn't really change much for me. So Dan, long story short, does any of this that we talked about the last 16 minutes that we took up of everybody's lives here that they'll never get back, does it really impact your value of Trey Sermon whatsoever? Or are we just, are we too optimistic here that it's going to work itself out? Even though Elijah Mitchell did look good. I think we've given our listeners at least a lot of scenarios, depending on where, where the roster is and what they're looking to do. But I don't want to get burnt if Sermon be, has a major role in that soft late season schedule just for a second or even two seconds next year. Like if I'm a if I'm a contender, I just want to hang on to those Niners running backs and see, and see what sticks for late in the season. It really Niners players all together. That's kind of one of my strategies going into to the season where I could get some Niners and hopefully have them down the stretch. You know, whether it's Trey Lance, Ayuk, Sermon, um, I'm, I'm holding on. Unless you wow me or if I'm hey, if I'm rebuilding, then two seconds might be better than Sermon because I don't really care what happens late in the season and you're, you're giving me some more upside there with the extra second. Last thing on the 49ers, another situation, Brandon Ayuk, Mitch, really quickly, you're not a contender. Do you move Cooper Cup for him straight up? Or no. are you looking to go I a think different you direction? Get a lot more for Cooper Cup, to be honest with you. Yeah. Agreed. I'm liking Cooper, man. I'm liking the Rams. So essentially what we're saying here, Brandon Ayuk, probably a hold, and I hate to say it, but probably a hold. All right. JB, one thing on, on Ayuk, he is a hold, and I'm not so much comp- concerned about him bouncing back to contributing, but I am a little bit more about expectations. Like it might be the best trade I made this offseason was not getting Ayuk. You know, I thank everyone maybe who declined me because I was willing to pay. I saw a high ceiling for him. It's that high ceiling that I'm worried about right now. Like, is he just wide receiver two material? That's a good, good contributor to our team and not that like potential of being in that CD lamb, like that rookie class that we had mm-hmm. hopes for. So I am concerned about his ceiling. And then just the way Debo Samuel looked, it even impacted to an extent in a high-scoring game while the 49ers did pull out ahead early, so it was kind of deceiving. But even George Kittle was a little bit limited in that game. So there's a lot to look at here in San Francisco. How much of it really should we be taking into account? How much of it is Shanahan in his mind games? Well, we're going to see very soon here, right? Week two is going to tell us a lot. So it's going to go from an overreaction or underreaction to, hey, it's time to react a little bit to this situation if it played out any differently than what we had in our minds going into the season. And speaking of situations where we're overreacting or we should be reacting, Mitch, I want to start with you. One situation. I told you guys pick one situation. I have seven listed here under each one. Good. Lord, no, I'm not going to touch up. Well, I'm probably going to touch it. Yes, you are. Don't lie, JB. Listen, this is gold, and the people need to hear it. If I typed it, it needs to be said. That's just, you know, I, I think it's imperative this week to discuss all this. So, Mitch, give me a situation that you see, and I know we haven't really been on Twitter too much trying to avoid that particular bubble, but that you've seen overreactions and you, you know, for a fact they are overreactions, and we need to come back down a little bit. 
Yeah, it's the whole Green Bay against the Saints thing. So they lost like 38 to 3. Yep. But like I always go back to Rodgers has one of these games every single year. Last year in Tampa Bay, they lost 38 to 10. Um in 2019, they went to San Francisco and lost to them 37 to 8. I mean, there's just one of these games every season to where the Packers go on the road and they just get blitzed. Like they're not competitive at all and they're just going to lose. And so there's nothing that got worse on this team. I mean, looking at it, just taking a step away from that game and being like, they still got Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon's there. They probably improved their wide receivers a little bit. And Devonte Adams was dropping balls. I mean, that's right. just not going to happen weekly. And so that reminds me of him during his rookie year. Yeah. Hey, so maybe it's, maybe it's a regression thing. Hey, regression is finally coming back, but no. Um, so I actually don't really know. Don't think you could go and get Devontae Adams for any less. You probably are not really going to get Aaron Rodgers for less. One person could. I think you can. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. I, I agree with that. Aaron Jones is the guy to where I'm willing to pay last week's price right now, and I don't think I need to. I think I could actually offer less right now and still get Aaron Jones. Now, I try to remember takes that we've brought up, mm-hmm. and it's funny that you brought up Aaron Jones, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here. You labeled him as a player to move yes. heading into 2021 throughout the, mm-hmm. at least the beginning of the, the season here. But you think maybe his price has dropped enough to justify acquiring him now at that, at that. Yeah. I mean, I have him pretty low in my tier. So, I mean, he's above like the Mike Davis, James Robinson types who, but like, I, I know what I'm getting. I am paying for this year. I am going to hopefully get a top 10 running back on a very good offense. There's not a lot of those guys you could go and get. In fact, there might only be 10 of them. And so if I have to go out and I have to do that to be a contender and maybe move some younger pieces for it, that's something I'm willing to do because I still do want to win championships. I know the offseason, we talk about value, 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 value. But this is the time of year to win. I want to win that championship. I could worry about that value championship belt in February. I don't care about it today. Dan, is there any concern here for you? Or do you also see this as just, uh, let's let's sweep it under the rug here. Let's forget about it. Week two comes along. It's a race from our memory. I mean, for this season in Green Bay, anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, there's going to be future fantasy production. I think they'll fix a lot. I am skeptical what's going to happen a year from now, two years from now. You have a coach that can't win a big game versus, you know, a very good coach. Uh, You have Aaron Rodgers who could be on his way out, whether it's a trade this year or next year. And then Aaron Jones is left on an island with Jordan Love and, uh, you know, maybe a Packers team that's not as not the same without Aaron Rodgers. So for this year, I'm not so much concerned, but I am a little skeptical in Green Bay, just trying to separate what's more football related versus fantasy football related right now. Put you guys in the spot here, Aaron Rodgers. And looking at my tears, I didn't really, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't react at all. The only quarterback I really moved was Ryan Fitzpatrick because of the injury, which obviously that makes sense. But looking at Aaron Rodgers, I still, I, I, I would move Deshaun Watson for him today still. Yeah. Wow. I'm not getting Watson anywhere, so no, I would not do that. Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm moving Deshaun Watson for Aaron oh, Rodgers. Oh, yeah, I would, but this is the caveat I always like to add. I don't have Watson anywhere, so I'd be willing to move Watson for Baker. 
you know, it, that's just how I view it. What about Cousins in a second for Rodgers? Yeah, would, would, would you do it? And do you think it could ever get done? No, <laughs> people do not like Kirk Cousins. Cousins in two seconds? No, I don't think so. People do not like Kirk Cousins. I mean, people hate Danny Dimes. People hate Kirk Cousins. What about Carson Wentz in a couple seconds? I'm trying to avoid adding that first, as you can tell. We're negotiating here. I don't want to add my first. You're just not picking quarterbacks that I want to acquire either. So I'm like, meh, yeah. All right, so so you still want that filet mignon price, maybe even if you're getting a, a cheap piece of sirloin, right? Is that it's a way to put it? Mitch is like, don't JB, don't talk about grilling. You don't eat meat. <laughs> no, I, I I don't eat ground meat. Oh, There's sorry. a big difference. Sorry. There's My a bad. big difference. We learned something tonight. Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, two guys that well, Ryan Tannehill no, underwhelmed. Tannehill. Yeah, I think I have them right in the same tier. So I would find that Dan. Yeah, you got a little more youth in Tannehill, and sure. And then I think Stafford, people are going to take him. I think Tua, people are going to take him. So it really comes down to that Baker, Zach Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. I think people are now going to take him over Rodgers. Yeah, people will do that. I wouldn't, but people will. I that The market shifts very, very quickly. The market shifts very quickly, and I'm still get, taking a lot of heat. The fact that I had to eat eat at Applebee's here in the, in the chat, I'm still taking heat. I'm never telling you guys again what I eat for dinner because all I whatever. All right, so Aaron Jones, uh, I think that price is dropping a little bit. I think there there is legitimate concern, but also the price drop is on the horizon, right? It's right around the corner, especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves and there's a lot of unknowns here, and then he's going to be 27 years old. And, you know, for running backs, might as well take him, uh, you know, sit on the couch, Grandpa. You know, you can't go near the field. But Devontae Adams' price probably isn't changing. Robert Tunyon, I do think his price is going to drop significantly just because he was on that unstable ground as is. Robert Tunyon, one year, really bolstered by the touchdown production. I think his price drops. It's fair. And I'm just yeah. getting nods. I'm just getting nods. You guys are sick of me tonight. Green Bay is just not exciting for me for JB. No, I understand Dad's point of view on it too. Like all the guys like this team could be horrible next year. So why are you buying into it this year? I, I could understand that. Rogers though, is somebody that I'm going to test the waters on because they have Detroit here next week. And that value is going to 80. They, that value is going to jump right back up. And then we saw somebody in the chat saying uh, in our discord about, Hey, what if Aaron Rodgers came back just to give a middle finger to the <laughs> Packers? After oh, one. another interception. Sorry. Another interception. Till they trade him. Right. Right. So I, I think the Packers are a really good situation on a team not to overreact. And for the most part, my value on those players has not changed. To, to your point, the best point I think you made there, JP, was they play Monday night at Green Bay versus Detroit. Ticked off team at home in the spotlight versus a rebuilding Detroit team. That That is a prime opportunity. Green Bay goes off, and then you trade everybody the next day. Now, if they struggle against Detroit, then we really... The ending at that point. It's the only that, way it happens. Right. Then our spidey senses are tingling, and we're very alarmed from what we've seen two weeks in from the green Bay Packers, Dan, one other situation that you're not, you're not going to be scared off of after one week. 
All right, I'm, I'm going to go one more than Mitch and uh, five less than you, JB. I have two names I want to mention. An overreaction, uh, I think, on that's negative, and one that's positive, and both that I would take advantage of. It's on, the, on the negative side, is in my Cowboys, uh, Zeke Elliott. Wow, I can't believe how many messages I got. Post All right, well, really, really, really quick. Tony Pollard should get the job. Here, timeout. We're we're one closer now because he was on my list too. Keep uh-huh. keep rolling, Dan. Keep uh, rolling. All right, man. So that, that's a good thing. I just want to say I watched that game very closely with a microscope when our Patreons patrons weren't going nuts there in our our watch party. Guys, like he blocked his tail off that night. He didn't over try to do too much and fumble the ball like a year ago. He's still in great shape. Pollard got a lot of the gadget work. They are trying to get Pollard more involved in the offense, but. It, this week versus the Chargers is not as scary as a matchup. Their best run blocking O-lineman and Zach Martin comes back. And then the cupcake schedule comes up where they get some of those NFC East teams and some other soft opponents where Zeke's going to produce. You know, hey, is he, you know, elite top three? I mean, I'm not saying he's the Zeke that Zeke once was. He's a little he's more not, not. game script dependent these days. But the schedule will be more game script in his favor, and he's going to produce and be just fine. He could help you win a league this year, and I think he's going to be fine next year. Again, the guy's still young. The guy's still in shape. They're managing his workload. Um, I think he's a solid play. So I, I'm going to react and try to get a, a share to a Zeke maybe tonight at the right price because I'm not panicking. I think he's going to have a good season. One thing on Ezekiel Elliott that I completely agree with you, but if Tony Pollard were out there getting – over 50% of the work and the snaps and the routes, I'd be concerned. But Ezekiel Elliott, he was still out there. And a lot of the points that I'm going to bring up with my my players and situations tonight, because it's stuff that I really dug into this week, is usage, snap rates, uh, if they're playing out of the slot, out wide, things like that. But Ezekiel Elliott, he was still involved. He was still out there. Not involved in the way that we would have loved his fantasy managers, of course, but from an NFL perspective, he still did a lot of good things for the Cowboys. And it's going to leave a sour taste in people's mouths. And there are people that are overreacting and looking to jump ship. Ezekiel Elliott was already being acquired at a discount in the offseason. And now yeah. it's we're, we're double discounting it. Sign me up. And I understand Zeke's a very patient runner. And Vita Vey was blowing up the middle. Like right. there were your limited we could do. Kellen Moore is very creative. He's given he gave Tampa something else to defend the way he used Tony Pollard. So there's a lot of game script, a game plan uh, that factors into it. Mitch, so, how, how many times really? How many times over the last two years did we talk about, especially when we would do like weekly breakdowns and things like that? If a running back was going against Tampa, oh, avoid them, avoid them. And it's like people forget, okay, 49ers played the Lions. Cowboys played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But people, they just see the the five points in your fantasy lineup and get pissed off. Pay attention to what's going on. I don't even think it's that. Here's what I think. I think with the Cowboys, there's so much bias building between Pollard and Zeke. If you switch the roles and you put Zeke as the backup, you have Pollard as the starter. You give him all of that starting work, and he has the exact same outcome that Zeke had. Everybody would be saying, it's the Bucks, It's no big deal, but I'm still buying Pollard. But now since it's Zeke, and everyone is trying to get rid of Zeke at this point, that's when it turns into, 
oh no, it, it's going to be the Pollard show. He's just going to get more and more work as we go. And so you could tell the bias with some, just switch the names. And if you know that story is going to change, if you just switch the name with the exact same production, you know, it's just bias. Week one is it's all, it's full of confirmation bias. Hey, a player that I didn't like underperformed. I told you, I told you, but if it's the other way around, Hey guys, it's only week one. So again, a lot of my thought process here, there is, I'm reacting, but I'm trying not to blow anything out of proportion, even if it's something, and maybe I'll take a lap a little later on here, but I'm, I'm, re, I'm seriously, I'm really trying not to do it. I'm because it, it's one week and I know we're excited. We prepared all off season for this moment. And we want to jump around and, you know, you get a few glasses of wine in you and Amari Cooper goes off. Yeah. You drop an F bomb on Twitter. It happens sometimes. Um, but Dan, what's your other situation here? My other situation, you know, probably someone who listens to dynasty theory and kind of knows, you know, our takes and that we're not overreacting, tried to get Zeke off me and offer me like some bum running back and Rob Gronkowski, who I'm going to mention and Gronk, man, like I, I, I think Gronk is a good fancy player to have on your team. I have a few rosters this offseason where I couldn't get what I wanted because there wasn't much of a market for him. And I was okay with that because I said, you know what? There's going to be a couple games during the year where he could possibly help me. Could be a good matchup. I might have injuries to my tight end, contending teams. He's, 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 I mean, the guy's a Hall of Famer and he still has gas left in the tank. But I'm not going to overreact to that big game because you know, next week, depending on the game plan, he's going to block most of the game. And he's going to have two catches for 12 yards. And it's going to be like that all season long. Now, do I think he's going to be a little bit better than last year? I do. You know, he had a whole offseason to kind of get in shape and learn the Tampa Bay offense and get, kind of get acclimated. Um, I think he could produce a little bit more this year. I could also see him next year going to going away party with Tom Brady and maybe only having a couple years on your roster. Um, so, again, I am not. Um, I'm going to try to sell Gronk if someone's really that high on him and that opportunity presents itself. Saw him move for a second in a tight end premium league. And I, it's tight end premium. I get it. But you're hoping for one last two right here. And I'll take the second over Gronk. All right. Let me take a deep breath here. Let me rattle through this. We're at 3425 right now. I'll be done with this by 36. Mark my words. So first up, situations that I think people are overreacting to. Austin Eckler, he wasn't targeted once in week one. Not once. A game where we saw the Chargers throw the ball 47 times, still ran a route over 50% of the time, and it's not like he was losing routes and opportunities to the other running backs. They combined for less than 25% of the total uh, routes. Whenever you look at the passing attempts, he had over 60% rushing market share. That's a fantastic number. And we like to see it. So somebody that I'm still looking out, looking to acquire Austin Eckler. I talked about him last week. I'm still driving that train. Najee Harris, hundred percent of the Steelers running back touches. I know it wasn't pretty, but you rarely see a running back get that much work. Najee Harris, uh, looked a little bit slow at times, but I do believe conditioning is going to pick up here and somebody that can be fully utilized when they're not playing the Buffalo Bills defense. Nico Collins, a little bit lower down the totem pole there. 80% routes run in uh, in Houston. I don't expect that game script to be as positive for that team going forward. They're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. Not sexy, but still over a 10% target share for Nico Collins. Tight end room in New Orleans. Do not overreact to Juwan. 
Don't don't do it. Jawan Jones, listen, we talked about it last week. I talked about it. Upside in the red zone, right? Two touchdowns. He only had nine routes run. And then to make the time here, Kyle Pitts, 20% target share, lined up everywhere, 50, 25, 25% split between inline uh, slot and out wide. Still somebody I want, 31 routes, and then tied uh, for second, only behind Calvin Ridley. I was 10 seconds over there, guys. JB, that's a, that's a good list. If I just a, I'm going to hammer some rapid-fire quick thoughts. Justin Herbert, man, loves to throw downfield. And if you can't stop Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, why is he going to dump it off? But he will check down when the time calls for it. In Washington, the weakness was in the secondary. So I definitely like that one there. Who's your second one? Man, you forgot already. Najee Harris. Najee. 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 Conditioning. Offensive line still gelling. Not playing the Buffalo Bills. Good good point there. That's a good one. Nico, I'm going to pass on. I could care less about Nico Collins and the Houston Texans still. Good points, JB. Good points. I'm just Listen, he's still somebody that you could get thrown into a deal. Nobody I'm overly excited about in like a 12-team start 10, but 14-team. Uh, 14 team start 11, 16 team. Now we're talking about Nico Collins. I want to get that opportunity and he's going to present it, especially after a really slow game for the receiving core outside of Brandon cooks. And then I said, Jawan Johnson, Mitch, you were ready to yell at me there. No, I understand. <laughs> Look, Nine, if I could trade him, I could, I just don't think anyone really cares to be honest. I have him on, I think 40% of my roster. So I have him on about 20 ish teams. I would trade him for a, uh, if I thought a, a pick could be an early second in tight end premium. Well, if I could, I would, but I haven't received one offer on any of my teams for him. Listen, you have a job because you're out in Utah. You're two hours uh, behind me here in Dan. I want you to blast offers out tonight. Please. Can you some mm-hmm. Jawan for a second or Jawan for, second, for I, yeah. I mean, even Jawan Johnson for trying to find a player here. If it's tight end premium, do you think you get like Jamal Williams? Or do you think everybody's just head over heels I'll keep, now? I'll keep you on for Jamal Williams. <laughs> I'm okay with that. He's got a role. I wouldn't give him away uh, if you if you need a tight end on your roster. So it's but, roster specific. But if he didn't if he didn't find the end zone those two times, we're not talking about him. He, I, he, I'm nine, not moving by Kylie Granson right now either for Jamal Williams. That's just not someone who I want to go and get at this point. Oh man, that, well Jamal Williams, I'm gonna be talking about him a little bit later oh, here, man. but. Well, our, one one of those Juwan Johnson touchdowns was a busted coverage for the record too. So you can't get overexcited. Like no. I mean, again, JB would have caught the one pass because there was no one, no one literally covering Mr. Johnson. And Don't then give Kyle, me too much credit. and then Kyle Pitts, JB. I'm watching that game specifically for for Pitts as I took him in a lot of DFS lineups, and I'm loving how they're employing him. I'm watching them all around. But man, that Atlanta offensive line is bad. It's man, awful. that Atlanta defensive line is bad. The Falcons got some got some problems. So that that's the concern. It might be like I, I think the way they're employing him, he's going to be fine this year. Yep. What, what tight end would you want not want with the role that he has? But the high ceiling might not be fully impacted until they get that line right. I talked about his splits and where he's lining up. Only 25% of his routes are coming in line, 25% out wide, 50% from the slot. So that utilization, that's what we love to see as a tight end. And one of the big reasons that a tight end like Mike Gesicki was carrying value for two years when he really didn't do too, too much. Oh, well, he's going to be used like a wide receiver. Well, it didn't really pan out in week one for Mr. Gesicki. And I'm going a thousand miles an hour because I'm just loving these conversations right now. But Mitch, you, you were very adamant. Hey, Matt Ryan, he's going to be starting for the Falcons in 2022. If things hold up like this, do you think that's the case still? I'm very happy you brought that up because guess which is the situation we should be reacting to? 
It is Matt Ryan. Let's go. I didn't even I didn't even see your notes. For no, the I, mean, I actually told you it was something else earlier. Yeah, there we go. Let's hear it. So in the offseason, I paid a lot more attention to the Calvin Ridley splits without Julio and didn't pay enough attention to the Matt Ryan splits without Julio. I went back to 2017, and the fact is Matt Ryan isn't very good when Julio isn't on the field. You could have so, just listened to like 10 episodes of Dynasty Theory and caught up on that. Thanks, John. Anyways, <laughs> as I was saying, um, so his his attempts go up because the team's worse. His attempts very slightly go up, but everything else is worse. The, um, Let's see. The interceptions go up. The touchdowns go down. The passing yards to attempts drop. I mean, really, when Matt Ryan doesn't have Julio on the field, he's a 250-yard, one touchdown, one interception, non-mobile quarterback. And that's going to kill you. I bought into the Arthur Smith play-action game is going to help out so much because we saw Matt Ryan do it before when Shanahan was there. And this is going to work. The fact is, I don't know if it could be just the offensive line's fault. But it's not getting fixed this year either, so that really doesn't matter to me. As far as I'm concerned, like I still really like Ridley. Pitts is going to be more than fine, but I think this is absolutely going to kill Mike Davis. I don't really know if Mike Davis is going to be playable for more than a couple games because they still have Tampa Bay twice. You know, They have the Saints they have to play twice. And I can't remember who's playing this week, but I think they have another tough matchup this week. And it's... I don't know how many times I'm going to put Matt Ryan in my starting lineup. Do I think he could be the starter there next year? I think so because he has like a $40 million cap hit if they release him. So I think he could just be a quarterback that's there that we have no faith in. But that's the situation. And I had a hard time finding one this week that I was like adamant about that is a really big issue. I think Matt Ryan right now is a huge issue in Atlanta. I was going through and my roster ship of Matt Ryan is through the roof and it has been for two or three years now, but you look at Matt Ryan and it is a tough matchup and the matchup is slipping my mind right now. If one of you want to look it up real quick, that would be, that would be useful. Dan, Mitch, either one. Don't, don't all jump at once here. Somebody in the chat, Packy, maybe Owen, but there are a lot of lineups, especially if I have depth at wide receiver. I'm like, do I really want to go Matt Ryan in my super flex spot? Do I want to get crazy and run with like, let's say um, uh, that I have Matt Ryan, uh, Tom Brady, and then another middling quarterback. Something really went wrong with that quarterback room. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Uh, that, yeah. I think that's kind of a similar situation. I was looking for a little bit more from Wentz, but again, maybe it's just getting acclimated with those wide receivers there. He's only had a week of practice. It's not a big deal. But anyways, practice, like you were practice. practice. Uh, but, but Matt Ryan, no, this is it, it's a good one. And I don't think you can go out and move him now, but this is why I brought up who does he play next week. But I do believe, Mitch, you're correct in that it is a tougher matchup. But maybe you, you just got to wait for one of those games where he pops. And I... I don't, you can't get Jameis Winston for Matt Ryan today. I don't think you can get Daniel Jones for Matt Ryan. Can you get Derek Carr? Not, not after this week. Again, we, we talk about how quickly things change. You can't get Sam Darnold. Can you get Jared Goff for Matt Ryan today? No. Okay. Wow. So real quick, here is their upcoming matchups. Thank you. Okay. So we have the Buccaneers at the Giants. Buccaneers. Yep. At Washington, at the Jets, at the Dolphins. First, the Panthers. I don't know if I'm going to play him in the first six weeks. 
There's two games, maybe with the Giants and um... I wouldn't do it against the Giants because the Giants still they're decent. They're enough to where I'm like, oh, I don't trust Matt Ryan here on the road. I can see that. I mean, if you have a better option, I agree. It depends what the options are. But some of those games could get really ugly. Like, I don't want Chase Young going through that whole line. Holy cow. (laughs) That could get scary. You know, so I definitely have a lot of concerns of Matt Ryan. And I'm glad you brought up Mike Davis as well because he's older as it is in Dynasty. And we were kind of counting on him for getting a lot of volume. And where's that run game going? Yeah. there's some major concerns in Atlanta because it's a, it's a very it is a below average offensive line going into this year they don't have an offensive line coach that's known for like you know working his magic their defense again is a non-draftable horrible defense it's gonna be a long year in Atlanta so Matt Ryan if you can cash out for 2022 first do you do it today oh yeah Hundred percent. I don't care who. If he's like my second quarterback, and I was planning on playing him this week, I'd move him. There are a lot of situations. Looking at my lineups, looking at my rosters coming into the season, I had it slated. Okay, Matt Ryan, he's my quarterback too, and I feel good about that. And then I had a Jameis Winston because we weren't really sure. Jameis is moving into that number two spot oh, for me, yeah. with, without a doubt. I mean, depending on the matchup, Ben might be pushing up over Matt Ryan in a lot of spots. So I, I think that's a really good one and something that is concerning much more concerned with the Matt Ryan Atlanta Falcons situation than Aaron Rodgers and green Bay. And I think that's, I don't know that that had to be said. All right, Dan hit us with the truth here situation that we, we should be reacting to. We should be. Yeah. And and I'm cheating again. You know, I'm a little more than Mitch and less than your list. Probably JB. I have like two and a half situations here. So, and one could probably go on either list, but Jerry Judy's injury. I want myself some Jerry Judy. I'm so relieved. It's just a high ankle sprain. And and I hope people are feeling sorry or concerned or don't want to wait five, six weeks, whatever it is till he comes back. But man, if I could get myself some Jerry Judy, I'm going to definitely try to this week because I, I wasn't able to in the offseason, but maybe that injury opened the door. The Arizona Cardinals, I'm just kind of putting their situation as a category of I'm I am reacting to. They really impressed me this week as a team. You know, is Christian Kirk back? I might drink the Kool-Aid one more time. I moved Kyler ahead of Lamar uh, Jackson in my rankings. And for some that he may have already been there. I, I know it's, you know, where your stance is on these quarterbacks, but he really looked good and looked good in the pocket not just running so i, I could see a big year for nuke and, and a rebound for christian kirk so i might be buying a little more arizona and then my maybe was debo samuel um you know he really could be the number one there i think back a couple years ago i think it was like chad johnson some other people there was just some really high praise for his ability if he could stay healthy and boy did he get a lot of volume and with au kind of in limbo right now um debo might be one i, I need to react more to that's Debo's an interesting one because I haven't thought about him too much just because we talked about the 49ers and all the, the different aspects and the running back situation and Brandon Ayuk really being limited there. Um, so Debo, I don't know if you can go out and acquire him today, at least at a solid price, but if you believe he continues to excel, maybe that inflated price isn't the ceiling. Maybe his price continues to rise. So we talk about acquiring players at what appears to be their peak or their ceiling, but then it continues to to go and go and go. So Debo Samuel's a good one. Mitch, do you have any thoughts there on anything? Yeah, that, I was that... going to add. So Dan brought up Kyler Murray, how good, 
Hopkins can do. One thing that stood out to me in that game was actually stuff that I was going to bring up is how good their defense is. I mean, you don't accidentally walk into five sacks. I mean, that's not something you could accidentally do when Chandler Jones did an amazing job at it. And it's happening a lot because Watt's on the other side. So people are like, no, we need a double Watt going into the year. Then all of a sudden Jones blows him up. And so while you think, oh, that's good, maybe they could be in a lot of shootout games. So you have the other team going against them, but you had what should have been a good shootout game. And I was just looking up real quick. I mean, Julio had 30 yards. AJ Brown had 50 yards. Henry had less than 60 and they get the Vikings this week. And I think Dalvin will get his because he gets enough to the receiving game. But I'm really worried that that offensive line for the Vikings is just going to completely collapse and Kirk's going to be on his back all game like he was with the Bengals. And so while we don't talk about defense a lot, I mean, some of these defenses, if they end, we always get the ones that catapult to the top of the league each year, right? The Cardinals can easily be one of those ones that catapult up above everybody else. And even if they don't become, you know, Chandler Jones isn't going to get five sacks every week in that type of scenario, but it takes so much pressure off Kyler Murray to have to do everything. And then like we saw it last year, the dude was beat up, man. He was fatigued, you know, and then you're pressing, you're trying to do too much and you're playing hurt. Now it's a little bit less pressure. You know, the the Edmonds-Connor combination, O-line played played well, defense takes some pressure off. So it really puts him in a, a better situation where, Lamar was trying to do too much last night, was taking some hits, fumbled, yada, yada. All right, I have I have, se- I have seven here, so I'm going to try to be somewhat quick. But things that we need to be reacting to or just in general things that I believe to continue, even with Jamison Crowder out, Elijah Moore doing nothing, Denzel Mims ran three routes. I, I know there was some hope. Hey, he had the food poisoning. He's going to bounce back. He was able to find success in 2020. I don't think that's going to happen with Denzel Mims moving forward. If I can package him up with anything, I know it's going to be tough after that game, but maybe one splash game can get us there. I completely went out. And Dan, you're making a face. It's very unlikely. You may be waiting a while. I I know, I know, I know. But I think that's something almost droppable at this point, to be honest. It's getting there, but... Don't tell people that. Let me get something first. You talked about Gronk, Dan. I think a a later round tight end in Dynasty because of his age that really caught my eye because we weren't sure I was going to play out Jared Cook. When we look at it between him and Donald Parham, that tight end room is his if week one is any indication of what we see throughout the rest of the season. Parham, I talked about routes run and snaps and all that good stuff that I was really diving into. 26% 26% of the total team pass attempts, Donald Parham ran a route over 65% for Jared Cook. And then just another player there, Jalen Guyton. He's the clear number three receiver there. When we look at the wide receivers, I know Eckler, I know Jared Cook, they're going to be involved, obviously, in the passing game. But week one, over 10% target share for a wide receiver that's essentially free to cover bye weeks in deeper leagues. See if you can get Jalen Guyton thrown in in a, a few trades. Again, not the, 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 uh key piece there we go the key piece that we're looking to acquire but see if you can get him thrown in a situation that i think we're going to continue to see and it's something that in our projections mitch we had it this way so this is the one i'm kind of taking a lap but not really but the split between the pittsburgh Steeler receivers a lot of it comes down to the fact that an offensive line has not improved as much as people would have liked so we have situation where the target distribution 
about 20% Juju, 20% Deontay, 15% Claypool. A lot of people, they wanted to see Claypool make that leap. And I had in my notes here, and I'm glad I ran it by the Discord and I ran it by you guys. In my notes, I said, oh, let's see if I can move a clay pole for Judy if people are impatient. And the vote was unanimous. Judy, Judy. I was like, okay, maybe I'm off my rocker here. So I'll add a second to clay pole. And most people were still saying Judy, but that's something that I would look to get done. If somebody's impatient, I don't think Chase clay pole situation gets much better. Five, six targets most games. He'll have a splash game every once in a while, especially because they get him involved in the running game every once in a while. But uh, still, Deontay and Juju, they're the two guys there that I've been chasing all offseason, and I, I, it's going to continue. Christian Kirk, Dan, you mentioned it, 70% routes run compared to Rondell Moore at 44%. I know Rondell Moore's a rookie, but there was a lot of hype around him throughout the offseason from what we saw in the preseason. And with those 70% of routes, we saw a 16% target share for Christian Kirk. But again, if he didn't score the touchdowns, would we be talking about him? Probably not. But that is somebody that I'm not going out and actively acquiring, but maybe I, he piques my interest if he's creeping on my bench still because I do have a few shares of Christian Kirk. I'll before, with, I, before I move on, Mitch, you had something? Sorry, real quick. Yeah, I was just going to say with Kirk, like it was funny. There was a play during the game where Kyler tried to throw a go route to Rondell Moore. And like you could just it, uh, it's not going to work. That's like just one of those plays to where you're like, you know, it'll probably look good on the board, but it's never going to work well in real life. You put Kirk in that situation, that could work up with Kirk every single time they do it. Because when you get down the red zone, I think a lot of teams, they're going to bracket up Nuke, and then someone else is going to have to win. And I don't plan on A.J. Green winning at this point. Uh, Moore will be able to do it if it's slant or something. But if it's a go route or anything like that, Christian Kirk could have just one of those Sterling Shepard-type years. Yep. And at his price, that that is more than enough. So maybe you do go out. Maybe you, you just convince me. Maybe I do go out and actively look to acquire Christian Kirk. It would be difficult after that game. But if somebody is so sour and they're like, I just got to get him off my roster, maybe I see if I can make something work and I bring him onto my team. Again, much more appealing in deeper leagues. There is a number one receiver in Indianapolis. It is Zach Pascal. It is, everybody's hyped about, listen, Dan, I'm sorry. Everybody is hyped about Michael Pittman. Zach Pascal, 89% out of the slot, ran a ton of routes. Uh, you know, we saw some good things in utilization from Jonathan Taylor, from Naheem Hines. Jack Doyle even got involved. So hang on to those Kylan Granson shares. We got to wait a little bit. But for somebody that I was picking up, and I could drop some receipts, but I was actively looking in, in waiver wires and free agent list and picking him up for nothing a few weeks ago. Zach Pascal is somebody that came out and show that he can be a wide receiver one. And yes, again, it's the touchdown and a wide receiver one on an offense that is lacking receiving weapons. I'm not saying you throw him on Dallas. Mr. Pascal is going to be a wide receiver one. So Mitch, I'm not going to throw the buzzword out there and say, Zach Pascal is an alpha about, you know, we're not saying that, but until T <laughs> right, right. Until you're like, what's in that water, JB? So until T.Y. Hilton comes back, and even when he does come back, Zach Pascal, another player, maybe we can package something together, some some lower-end draft picks, something that we could at least uh, kick over to the manager that has Zach Pascal. James Robinson, that was ugly, man. It, the, the usage, it was just absurd. I, you think it turns around? Because I yeah, don't so 
mean, I, this isn't a James James Robinson thing. If you want to let him sit on your bench, let him. But the the days of getting a first for him, like we pushed, we pushed, and I'm, I got aggressive there. Pushed. I'll agree with that. I think if those days are gone. If you go back, I agree. Those days are gone with James Watson because that's all that it took to sink his value, and we knew that. Um, go back and look. They they ran a pass play. I think 20 times in the first half, they only ran eight times. But if you actually look at what happened, it was a false start. They're first and 15. They throw three times. They run once. There's a holding penalty. They throw three times. They're out. Then Trevor Lawrence throws an interception. And then they have one good drive and they get like five rushing plays. Hyde's doing it. Uh, James Robinson was looking good to start. They score the next drive, two plays, and it's an interception. So while like... I know the value on James Robinson is down. I'm not moving him for a reduced price right now. Are you First, going out and acquiring at that price? No, I'm not. Done Their schedule is not going to get easier, no. Mitch. I haven't acquired any shares of him this offseason that I can remember. I have moved all that I can. But I'm just saying the ones that I have on my roster right now, I'm willing to still use him as my running back three, running back four. Because we- I... I really think he's got the snaps. I know Carlos Hyde had nine rushing attempts and James Robinson had six. James Robinson was on the field two thirds more than Carlos Hyde was like, I'm not worried about that at all. I just think it was one of those games to where the offense got a little too cute, got behind on some penalties. And by the time the half was over, they couldn't run the ball because they were down like 27 to three at that point or 27 to seven, whatever it was. If somebody offered, and I'm not, I don't think this is ever going to happen, but a first for James Robinson and a second, you take it? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And then you wake up from that dream and realize it was not reality. I hope I dreamed that tonight. All right, well, last last one, and I think the Detroit Lions fan is going to yell at me. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, I think they can coexist. You look at our projections. If you're in the Patreon, you've been staring at these, studying these constantly. But the way we saw this going was close to a 50-50 split. And I know DeAndre Swift, is it going to change whenever he's fully healthy? I don't know. I don't think Anthony Lynn, from the offensive coordinator perspective, is going to want to go bell cow, bell cow, bell cow. So we saw a 20% target share for DeAndre Swift, 15 for Jamal Williams. And then we saw a 55-45% split between the two on the ground. So I think both can coexist another player that I want to get thrown into deals, another player that I want to package some crap up, <laughs> pull the, the Dan LaMagna specialty, package something up, throw him a uh, Marcel Aitman hard knocks uh, highlights from a couple years back, but give me Jamal Williams as well. I think he's somebody that I'm going to be firing up in a lot of lineups until we see that Deandre Swift gets the bulk of the work, but I think both can coexist on a team that's going to be playing from behind Jared Goff's going to want to get the ball out and he's going to find those two guys and TJ Hawkinson. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, who saw over 70% route tree in, in week one, that number is going to continue to go up and he's going to hopefully Goff doesn't... Him for a super easy touchdown too. Of course, Goff overthrew him, but you know, well, well, I think Amon Ra is somebody that I'm still not completely out on, especially with all the shares I have. All right. Any thoughts there on the, the lions? I'll oh, no. just say, I'm not I'll, lying about that one. People might not know. Maybe I am a Detroit Lions fan. Don't like to breathe that out loud a lot. But 
I mean, this offense has to run the ball. If they fall behind by like that, we've seen what happens. They didn't catch up until San Francisco took half of their starting defensive players off the field. And then they started to catch up. And so I actually think if you compare Jamal Williams to Latavius Murray in previous seasons for the Saints to where, you know, if Swift goes out, you're really happy to have Williams. If Swift is in, like, you'll play him if you have to in a flex, but you really don't want to. That's how I see Jamal Williams this year. And and But they were still both utilized early in the game. But again, how much of it comes down to they want to kind of get DeAndre Swift really into the flow of things. But looking at it, oh, that one was bad. Packy, is that my pun? My lion pun? Come on. Hey, I've been good with puns lately, guys. That, that was a rock jungle cruise joke, I think. <laughs> that was a great movie, too. Uh, hit a lot of JB jokes in that movie. Well, maybe I do need to go see it. All right. So if there's nothing else about the Detroit Lions, went a little bit long tonight. I thought it was going to be a quicker episode, but of course not. Final thoughts. Dan, 134 episodes in. Week two is right around the corner. We need football every night. We need. I, I want it every night. So, Dan, what do you got for our listeners? Final thought heading into week two. I need some nights to study here, JB, man. Not a lot on the final thought front tonight other than it's free agent waiver wire time now. Work the waiver wire here tonight. You know, go back, play back this episode here tonight. I think we've given some good tips of guys that, you know, maybe are on the free agent wire that you could acquire. I think we're able to see some guys that are dead weight probably on the bottom of your roster and and just keep improving. But don't overreact. Learn from this episode. It's only been one week. But and that, that's the thing. We, we're trying to walk that fine line and no take lock. We don't want to overreact because that's our guy. We don't want to overreact because we faded that guy and I still want nothing to do with him. But we want to pay attention to situations that we believe will continue. And that's that's kind of the point of reacting to these situations. Is it going to continue or is it going to go back to what maybe we expected or just you know a, a completely different route from what we saw in week one, Mitch 134 episodes. And what do you got? Just continue with the theme. It's if you felt like your team was a contender going into this year, week one shouldn't change that. I've actually seen in a few different um, league group chats that people are already like, Nope, I don't have what it takes. I'm ready to rebuild. Uh, It's, it's been a week. Like you don't even know what's going on. I mean, we're guessing with, you know, the best that we can about what's going to happen. I don't know if my teams that won this week with the highest point scored, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I'll find that out in three or four weeks at this point, but just let those three or four weeks happen before you go and blow up your team. And it goes the other way as well. Just because you had an explosive week one, Hey, I'm a contender. Look what I just put up 200 points. How can I not be a contender? So I'm going to move my draft picks. I'm going to use, get rid of my young guys. Hey, but, Look at the players that carried me in week one. I had one roster specifically. It's in a safe league. And I looked at it and I put up 200 points and I knocked off a team that was the second highest score. And I looked at my team and I was like, ah, this team is trash. Like on my spreadsheet, I have a lot of red there. And I'm like, how the heck did this team put this up? So that's one where I'm kind of taking into consideration. Maybe they overperformed in week one and I'm not going all in just because of that one game. So do not draft. Do not trade for Elijah Mitchell on that team. It's kind of like the moral of the whole story here. That's going to be such a fun. It is the moral of the story, but it's going to be such a fun dynamic over the next few weeks. There's going to be a lot of victory laps one way or the other. 
we'll see if we jump in. Hopefully we can. So make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Dynasty Theory FF. Click the link in the episode description, YouTube, the podcast feed. Check out our Patreon. It is free through the rest of September. A lot of great things going on over there. I'm distracted by Dan talking to The Rock in the background. For Mitch Sorensen, Dan LaMagna, apparently Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm John Bauer. We'll see you next week.